Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children, where all of our guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me today is Dr. Hilary Bowers. She's the Director of Behavioral and Mental Health Services and a board-certified pediatrician that provides care through the Children's Primary Care Medical Group. She's here to talk to us about seasonal depression, depression in our kids, and anxiety-related disorders. Dr. Bowers, thank you so much for being with us today. This is such an important topic, and as parents, we've seen you know, a real change. There's a real mental health epidemic going on with our kids right now. What have you seen as far as an increase in depression, anxiety, anxiety anxiety-related disorders in our kids in the last few years or so? Thank you so much for taking the time and having me on this podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your platform to really bring the spotlight to the behavioral mental health crisis that we're seeing uh, across the U.S., I think you, we've all heard from President Biden and our Surgeon General, as well as the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and the Children's Hospital Associations, all putting out the call over the past couple of years talking about this crisis and how are we going to do it and how are we going to deal with it. Just to give a little background, about 20% of children and adolescents will be diagnosed with a behavioral or mental health diagnosis before the age of 18. So that was pre-pandemic, that's one in five. And we think about breast cancer, that's one in eight. So behavioral mental health is more common. We think about heart disease, behavioral mental health issues in our children and adolescents is more common, yet until recently, it wasn't in the daily conversation. It wasn't brought up in schools. It wasn't brought up around the dinner table. Um, And sad to say, we probably weren't screening as much in pediatrics as we could have been to help our children earlier rather than later. About 33% of kids get their first care in an emergency room. And you asked about what's gone on since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I use March 13th, 2020 as a starting point because that's when California shut down as well as the rest of the country. And since then, we've seen teen suicide go up, teen suicide attempts go up. There were, at some point, hundreds and hundreds of calls into suicide and prevention hotlines. Um, ERs have become absolutely overwhelmed, going up thousands of percent of visits. And most of this has been driven by kids who are in crisis, families who are in crisis. They couldn't access services through school. Um, Some Clinical offices were shut down. A lot of therapists um, went to video. We know that children and adolescents often do better face-to-face. We've definitely learned that through the school and the distance learning that occurred during the early part of the COVID pandemic when kids have that accountability to show up in school, to face the teacher, to say, oh, I didn't turn in my homework. 
uh, is very different than when you're on a computer and you can turn off the camera, you can do school from the horizontal position because you're sleeping and you're not attending. And <laughs> yeah. it's hard to say, <laughs> right? It's hard to say, is that kid really engaged or not? We called that bed school. Right. Well, I called it, you know, crisis learning. You know, a lot of parents would come in and say, yeah, we're doing homeschooling now. This wasn't homeschooling. Homeschooling is where you have a structured curriculum, just like in-person structured curriculum. Here, it was just crisis. How do we get through the day? And that's what many families, you know, with, between the work and or not work, because many families lost their jobs. Unfortunately, some of our patients' parents lost their lives uh, during COVID. And all of that, how is that impacting our youth? who maybe now don't have a trusted adult to go talk to. And so where are they getting their information? Unfortunately, not these podcasts. They're getting their information from a lot of their social media outlets. And it becomes a real echo chamber of hearing just everything's negative, everything's negative, everything's negative, or everybody else is doing great, right? There's this beautiful, shiny picture of what you quote unquote should be doing And if your life doesn't reflect that, then I'm a failure. Then who am I? What's the point? Wow. I mean, really, that was an excellent description of what we have been seeing. Now, parents want to know red flags. And as we're talking about seasonal depression, and while these depressive disorders and anxiety-related disorders are so prevalent right now, these are unprecedented times we're seeing, But seasonal depression is sometimes things that we just have seen with our kids. I know my daughter goes through it. I love the winter, so I get psyched at this time of the year, but I know that my daughter doesn't, and and so we look at those things. So I'd like you, Dr. Bowers, to speak about what parents would notice. We, we know this is going on now. What are we looking for in our kids to say, you know what, they're really sad for no reason right now. They are feeling like they want to just huddle up in their room, spending way too much time on their phone, way too much time on their phone. That wasn't me just glitching. That was me repeating it because (laughs) really it's, you know, this is what we're seeing. But how do we know the difference between what our teenagers do and what we're seeing as far as seasonal affective disorder? So it's an excellent question. I think you brought up the activities that they used to do, are they no longer doing them? I like to say to my families that parents, grandparents, the adults in their lives, they know their kiddos the best. And so you know what your child does at baseline, right? Are they participating in band? Do they do sports? Are they turning in their homework? Um, Do they go to school on time? Are they sitting down for family meals? Do they maybe even help make a family meal once a week? What is your child's, what I like to think of as baseline behavior? What is the standard for them? And that's what you always need to keep in mind as we go through the different seasons. Obviously in the winter, you know, I'm coming from California. We can be outside all the time. I grew up in Iowa. We were also outside all the time, but it was a lot colder in the winter, right? You had to put on more clothes. You had to turn up the heat uh, and think about that. So one of the things you brought up is, is your child spending all day, every day in bed? Um, At this point, schools are open, kiddos should be going in person. Are they not getting up in time? Are they running out the door at the last minute? Are they not even making it to school at all? Um, Are they spending more and more time on their phone? There are apps that you can install 
to see how much time your child is spending on their phone to limit access. We do recommend that kids wait until at least eighth grade before obtaining a smartphone. So that way that really encourages more human-human interaction face-to-face. Um, are you losing joy? And I think that's really one of the big things is what brought your child joy before? Is it still bringing them joy now? Maybe they love to cross-stitch and suddenly you're just seeing all these half-finished projects. Maybe they were starting a candle business and just the wax, they're not cleaning up after themselves. Um, their friends are calling and they always say no. Always, there's always some excuse. Oh, you know, I need to clip my toenails or, you know, they, they're not nice anymore. Like what's going on that they're saying they're, they're withdrawing. I think that was one of the things you brought up as well. They're withdrawing from family meals. They're withdrawing from their friends. Teenagers especially, their life goal is to not be around the people they live with, right? Their job is to figure out who they are as humans, having that independence. They want to be with their friends. That is the drive, which is one of the reasons why the COVID pandemic and the school closures were so devastating to our adolescents because they lost that. And for many kids, the main reason they attend school in person is to hang out with their friends, right? What's your favorite class? Lunch, right? <laughs> it was huge. And so now we've lost that. One of the things we've seen as kids are becoming reintegrated is children with social anxiety. It's been very hard for them to go back to school in person because it had been so long since they've used those skills of how to have a conversation, how to look somebody in the eye, how to ask for help, that they were afraid of being rejected again. And the idea of having these conversations was so overwhelming with physical responses that they just don't go to school. Even though you think, oh, they should want to go to school now, they've been out for so long, that social anxiety takes over and they, again, they withdraw with that. And so the longer you go without utilizing a skill, the harder it is to do. Uh, I think about socialization as a skill set that you can learn, just like if you are, uh, we'll use soccer since so that we have the World Cup on right now. But if you want to be a better goalie, you're going to go to a goalie coach right? You want to be a better pitcher for baseball, you're going to go to a pitching coach. You want to learn how to interact with people, how to convey your needs so that your needs can be met, how to talk to other people in a way they can hear and understand you. You're going to go to a social skills coach, which could also be called a therapist or a counselor or a life coach. That, But you, these are skills that people can absolutely learn. Wow. So it certainly is true, and, and it has taken away a lot of that learning. You know, when you teach your kids to shake hands, like you said, and look in the eye and do all those things, that's kind of gone away. So now what do we do? I mean, how do we get them off the beds, get them out of their rooms? Because the, the holiday's coming up, and I know that some kids that are coming back from college are going to want to be like, okay, I've been doing the social thing, now I just want to be left alone. Or, you know, the high school kids, well, I've been working now, I just want to, you know, not think about stuff and play video games. But we want to get them outside, we want to get them exercising, we want to involve them in meal prep, we want to do all of those things. Do you have any advice about that? 
So I think everything is a balance. As I said, parents know their kids the best. So obviously we do have some children who don't make eye contact. And I, I don't want to force someone to do something that's going to derail the situation. But leading by example, parents need to model the behavior that they want to see in their children. So if the house rule is no electronics during meals, then the parents need to put down their phones too, right? If we want our children to eat healthy, then we need to be eating healthy foods as well. And we need to work on this together. So things we can do is we can, with little kids, you can make it fun. They can help bake with you and cook. You had talked about kids coming home. Maybe they came home from out of state. Talk about what restaurants they may have gone to while they were at college or at their new job or something that they've tried that maybe they hadn't tried before. And think of a way they can share that experience with the rest of the family. So maybe they tried Ethiopian food for the first time and nobody in your family has ever tried it. Let's find a recipe. Let's cook that together. Let's go to the store. If we can find you know, an Ethiopian store to find the right spices, if not, we'll make a close approximation, but that can be something. And now their food is love. We're now giving health and wellness to our family together. So that's an activity. Finding that balance, yes, kids are going to need to sleep, but having regular sleep routines, getting enough sleep every night in the same hours, I like to say we need to sleep when it's dark and be awake when it's light, will help them during the day to deal with feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, feelings of being overwhelmed. So as much as you can, trying to help your child understand that, and again, modeling that behavior yourself. If you're staying up till two in the morning, scrolling on something, then they're going to say, well... Most teenagers will say, well, if you do it, it's good enough for you. It's good enough for me. Show them how to set those healthy boundaries with electronics. One of the other questions you asked was about large family gatherings or small family gatherings for that matter, how to do that. And talking to your children about the importance of family. Why is it that we're going over for a meal with your grandparents who you haven't seen in six months, right? Why is it that we're going to meet this cousin that maybe we only see them once a year, but we always see them once a year, you know, because they're family. Talk ahead of time, conversation starters, right? A lot of kids come home from college and everyone says, so what's it like? You know, what are you studying? What are you learning? And, you know, by the 15th time, if that gets a little old, have your child have some conversation starters in their pocket so they can preempt that. Instead of waiting for someone to come to them, they can go and say, man, I'm going to do this travel abroad thing. Or, wow, this is um, this class was really interesting. Did you ever take an interesting class in college? Or what did you do after high school? Oh, what a so good they suggestion. Can turn that conversation, <laughs> they can turn that conversation back around and suddenly the spotlight's not on them. As long as it doesn't get political, because then it gets even more right. contentious. <laughs> Notice I said, keep it to, you know, what job did you have? Yeah, you light know. and airy. As, that's right. Because there's always that one cousin that wants to start the fights. So, no, that is really that is really great advice for our kids. And what about getting them to get some exercise or relaxation techniques? Because as we're talking about depression and all these kinds of anxiety disorders, you know, exercise. I'm an exercise physiologist. So of course I'm always running around at my kids. Come on, let's do it. But 
you know, getting your kids up at that time of the year is not always that easy and getting them out of bed in the morning even. It, yeah. So often having the exercise, but making it perhaps not seem like exercise. So maybe we do a family cleanup day where we help and we all volunteer together to clean up the, the beach or we go and work at a food bank for a drive-through. So again, we're going to be on our feet. We're going to be lifting. We're going to be walking back and forth, interacting with people as, as much or as little as we want to, but we're also going to be doing service to others. So it gives us a purpose to our day. It gives some structure. And then guess what? You're getting a little exercise out of it too, but it's not the same as, all right, let's go for a three-mile run, which personally never works for me. Um, but if you hide that exercise. Well, no, you're <laughs> right. No, you're right. And what I do, like what I did Thanksgiving was the day after I, you know, we had a bunch of people spending the night and I said, come on, guys, we're going walking in the woods. I mean, I'm a 58 year old old broad, you know, I'm not going out running three miles, but I am said, let's go walk in the woods. And everybody was down for it. And it was beautiful fall, gorgeous day. And we probably walked two or three miles. And all we did was walk with our dogs and our friends and our cousins. And it was lovely. And it becomes a thing. So you're right by sometimes hiding it and it becomes a thing. It's almost like hiding that exercise. And I love that you brought up gratitude mm -hmm. because service, gratitude, purpose are so important also for our kids. And Dr. Bowers, before we get, you and I could talk for a long time. And before we get ready to wrap up, I'd like for you to kind of offer your best advice and you're in pediatrics and you know behavioral and mental health now there are medications out there and there are also holistic supplements that people want to know about St. John's wort and and omega-3s and vitamin d and all these other things can you just give kind of a brief summary before we wrap up of some of those things and when you feel it's important that we call our pediatrician with the red flags that you mentioned. So that could be a whole nother conversation to talk about supplements and medications. So briefly, the first thing I would say is talk to your pediatrician early. As soon as you have a hint of a red flag, maybe it's just like a light red flag or a pink flag or a you know that niggle in the back of your brain that something is not quite with your child, that is the best time to talk to your pediatrician. Obviously, if you miss that time, talk to them as soon as you can. But the sooner you talk, your pediatrician is on your team of your child's health and wellness. So they have resources. We talked about therapy and life coaching and helping access those. Those you do not need a referral from your pediatrician for, you can access those directly. But your pediatrician may have some recommendations of local people in the community. In terms of medications, more and more pediatricians are becoming competent in this area. I know the child and adolescent psychiatry shortage is real, and that can be months to years to get in. So again, talking to your pediatrician early. I say medication is one tool in your toolkit in your overall health and wellness. Um, behavioral modifications, you talked about exercise, regular sleep, healthy eating, appropriate supplements. These are your foundational, I think of when you bake a cake, right? This is your, the meat of everything. That's something that you can take with you from place to place. Medications are a tool. It's a little bit of frosting to kind of help uh, top things off. In terms of supplements, uh, vitamin D, if you're, not get, if you're getting no outside time, uh, vitamin D, 
would be very appropriate, 1,000 to 2,000 international units a day for um, your adolescents, uh, six to 800 for your younger kids. Um, magnesium is actually another one that has been clinically, there are studies showing help with attention and focus. It's also very calming. So it can be very helpful if you're having some challenges falling asleep at night and when you're trying to regulate your sleep. Uh, magnesium, just to note, is what we call a prokinetic. So it does move things through your intestines a little bit faster. It's not going to cause diarrhea. But if some children are internally sensitive, they may notice some cramping. So with everything, we always say start low and go slow. So magnesium is actually a really good one. Omega-3s are fantastic for brain development. There's also research showing that it's helpful in terms of attention and focus. So again, it's a supplement for that. Um, salmon once a week would be amazing. Um, there's are some mega supplements in liquid form, capsule form. Um, a little hint is if you're taking the capsules, keep the capsules in the freezer. And if you take them, take them directly from the freezer because that decreases the fishy burps, which some people find to be unpleasant. And it is important to notice uh, that many supplements are not regulated. So you want to make sure that the manufacturer is someone that you trust that it's not just, you know, so-and-so selling it out of the back of the truck. If things are being advertised as the greatest thing since sliced bread, I always have a little bit of a skeptical eye. And then the other thing to remember is even supplements, if they're natural, too much is not good, right? So everything is in moderation, right? Exercise in moderation, healthy foods in moderation, ice cream and cake in moderation, supplements in moderation. Finding that uh, sweet spot is very important. There are some vitamins that are fat-soluble, vitamins A, D, E, and K, and you can potentially overdose on those. So it is important to be mindful of how your body absorbs it. If you're taking any supplements, please discuss that with your pediatrician because it may or may not interfere with something else that you're taking. And we want to make sure that we really understand the whole picture in order to take care of the whole child. Wow. Such an informative podcast, Dr. Bowers. What an excellent educator you are. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us really, really great information today. And parents, you know, if your kids are feeling sad, depressed, anxious around the holidays, play this podcast because we sure did cover a lot of ground and be sure to share it with your friends and family on your social channels. We're all learning from the American Academy of Pediatrics and their pediatricians together. You know they're our gold standard and all they want to do is help us to raise our children happy, healthy, and safe. And that is what they do, and that is why we love our pediatricians so much. Dr. Bowers, thank you again. You're listening to Healthy Children. All of our expert guests are from the AAP. I'm Melanie Cole for Radio MD. Thanks so much for listening, and stay well.